Hello and welcome to Behind the Chair, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of relationship between hairdresser and client, long-form conversations about nothing. Every episode you will meet a loyal client and listen to our private conversation. Everything from music, cars, technology, beauty, health, wellness and relationships. So join us as we lift the lid and let you inside. Experience the magical bond as I stand behind the chair. Today on Behind the Chair, we are with Chloe. And Chloe is my friend who I met through Hannah. Oh, I love Hannah. I haven't seen her. That's <laughs> And today we are doing some blonde foils on Chloe's hair and I'm just mixing up some blondo and 6%. We're going to do some foils and then we're going to put like a nice deep brown um, toner on the roots and like an ashy blondie sort of toner on the ends. So yes, that's what we're doing today and I've just mixed up the colour about to put in my first foil. So how are you today, Chloe? Yeah, good. Yeah. It's a lovely day today, isn't it? Especially by the beach. Yes. It's got the best views. You can see the ocean through that lady's kitchen window. <laughs> she really keeps her blinds open. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can if you're standing. Yeah. Probably not if you're oh, sitting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely. No, I was standing over there before. Oh. Just watching the waves. Yeah. Do you like Scarborough? Yeah, yeah, just being near the beach, I think. It's oh, nice. I think we've got the best coasts in W, like WA's got the best really? coastline. I agree. Have it's you been good. to Queensland? No, no. Because I went to the Great Barrier Reef and I thought this pretty naff. And then I went to Coral Bay. Mm-hmm. Have you been there? Not yet, no. Well, Coral Bay, I felt like it was better than the Great Barrier Reef. Obviously, it's not at scale, but it's like Hillary's. You can park your car, and then from where you park your car, you can literally throw a rock, and then there's like a million fish just like weaving in and out of your legs, and there's like a dude drinking, you know, (laughs) any export and his bodies with just all these fish swarming around his feet. I was like, this is... So cool, especially if you have little kids. Yeah. I just felt like it was more accessible. Yeah, I've been to like Sydney and Melbourne. They're not anything for beaches. Those beaches, are, I don't think are very good at all. Bondi is nice. Ish. I love Bondi. Yeah, I don't know. Just like, I think growing up in WA, you don't appreciate how good it is until you go elsewhere. What's the, the worst beach in the world? Oh. <laughs> Look, I was going to say Bondi. I think it's overrated. Nothing special about it. It's just flat for ages, and then like I don't, yeah. I think I just loved the people there. I went. I had a good experience there. I did radio there. That was one of my first ever times on radio, like when I first started DJing. So I think I was just so charged that I would have had a great time because of that. Like I think Bondi, the area is really cool. 
Yeah. Um, like all the cafes and stuff. Yeah. But um, the actual beach itself, I was like, I don't see what everyone's talking about. What's the best beach in the world? Uh, I reckon Scenic Broom. Yeah. Like Cable Beach. But you can't even freaking swim. You can't swim, no. So I think that that it can't be the best beach in the world if you can't even get in the water. And you're so hot that you actually want to swim. It's not like a beach here where you can just look at it and you're okay. Yeah. When you're there, you're so hot and then it's like cruel because you can't even jump in the water and you'll die from a freaking jellyfish. Yeah. I reckon like Albany, Esperance, that kind of area have the most like stunning looking beaches. Have you been to Lucky Bay? Uh, I don't know what we went to, but there was one. In the National just... Park at Esperance? Uh, maybe. It was in the National Park. But oh, was... you would have gone around the other side to Twilight Beach, perhaps? Maybe. Yeah, so I think that that was actually voted like the best beach in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll add it to the bucket list. Oh my god, if you do um, get a chance, you would love it. And Esperance, just in general, is like so beautiful. So I'm actually hosting New Year's Eve in Esperance this year. Oh, cool. I'm excited. Pumped. Yeah, it will be up until Thrice. Oh my god. Is there a beach there? No, no, it's four hours from any beach. Dang. But so it's, it's like Karagooli. Oh, uh, it's an hour, a 45 minute drive from Karangini. So you've got all the gorges. Oh, so no way. No way. So, wow. So you could literally go there like after work. Hmm. No yeah. way. Oh my gosh. Okay. Who do I know that's in Pompeii? I'm just trying to do this. I know lots of people that have like lived there from one point or another. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, a lot of people talk about Tom Price. Yeah. But, yeah that's small cool. mining town. So you could literally go to Karajini and is there like place to swim there? Yeah, it's like all the most of the gorges are you can swim in. Um, I was just there a week ago. Went down with Joffrey and uh Fernpool. So so they're at Karajini? Yeah. Joffrey Paul and Fernpool. Yeah, oh yeah, Joffrey Gorge and then yeah, Fernpool, which is I think part of the Hammersley Gorges, maybe. I don't know. Wonder what the risk of getting eaten alive by like a crocodile is. Like one in I don't know. think there's crocodiles there. Um there are a lot of falls. That's um like one of our main things that we see in the emergency department. Fall, as in you fall over? Fall over, trip over rocks, um, yeah. slip on something. Just trying to get that content boy. <laughs> He's like, go slippery, slide down and crack your neck. That's yeah. a word. Yeah, and then... Um, oh, that's what they get at the emergency department. So if anyone is listening and then they go on a holiday to Karajini and then they like totally get injured and then they go to hospital they might actually see you there that's it yeah that would be a way to visit mm. yeah. call an ambulance <laughs> well it's not even the ambulance can't make it out there so the ses has to get out there no way to rescue people if they can't get up themselves so i wonder where's the data for that how many times have ses been called to carry Jeannie in the last four months uh there's I reckon there's one or two a week at least. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> no. 
one or two per week. Oh, yeah. Oh, lately it's been pretty bad. Oh my god. And so, what are the nature of the type of prolapse? Uh, all falls. Holy shit. Yeah. Or heart attacks. Or uh, yeah. Man, that's embarrassing. Would you put that on Facebook though? Or like you put your first trap photo if you're in the G-string at Karajini and then you each, you have to call the SES and there's like a dude like coming down of a conveyor belt from a helicopter to rescue. Most of them are grey nomads who yeah. have never hiked and a day in their life. In they their need to stay home. They are <laughs> a burden on society. I'm honestly not joking. And no offence, like, if anyone ever listens to this that's, like, old or a senior citizen, I don't know, I just feel like they just need to stay home enough. Like, I understand, <laughs> like, maybe they worked too much and they were unable to travel when they were in their youth. That's it. But why now that they are old and decrepit, a burden on society, and it's, like, it's just not right. Like, imagine the amount of money that it costs taxpayers mm. to get the SES to freaking go there and rescue them because they're too old to travel. Oh, like, I, I, I see what you mean, but also, like, I think their generation, it was very much you work your ass off, you have kids when you're young, so they didn't really have time to travel, and then, like, now they're all travelling because they've raised their children, they've retired, and that's kind of like, oh, what are we going to do with our lives now? My answer to that is go on a cruise. Yes, definitely. You know, go on a cruise because that's not going to cost taxpayers any money. There's an infirmary on the boat. There's a deep freezer. Like, not being harsh, but honestly, I know of so many people that have had. And it's like, not only is it expensive for taxpayers, it also wouldn't be nice for the senior citizen. Like, imagine if they're in horrendous pain and then they're like, oh, crikey. I'm not near a hospital. Yeah. Like, why? where are the ads for that on TV? Like, old people stay home. We should launch a new ad campaign. Like, I think they just need to lo know their limits because there are more than, like, there's plenty of 70-year-olds that are more than capable of, like, hiking if they've been hiking during their youth and, you know, but a lot of them are, you know, 70-year-olds who have never hiked in a day in their life and they go, oh, yeah, stage five hike, I'll okay. be right. So tell me a track in Perth that they could test out their hiking skills to qualify to hike where you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I've never hiked in Perth, really, so I can't really give you Just that. think about somewhere you walk up some deep stairs or... I don't know, like the roll through on a ride. I'm not sure. Like, what was the, what was something that was the equivalent fitness level to what is required fitness level for what they need to do? I feel like if you can't make it up, um, what's that ladder that we have here? Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder. If you can't make it up, Jacob's ladder. You know, give or take, you can have a couple of breaks here or there. But if you can't do it up Jacob's ladder, there's a lot of hikes. You're not going to be able to make it up. You can make it down, but that's not the problem. It's the coming back You've up. You've obviously never fallen down a hike. I have. <laughs> um, I've done a hike nine months pregnant. I've done a hike carrying my, like, one-year-old. I think that, you know how you get a park permit at Karajini? Mm. Well, you should have a fitness permit. So go to Jacob's Ladder, collect your token, <laughs> show that you're actually capable of doing Jacob's Ladder, if you are, then you get your permit, no worries. Go to Karajini, go hiking, no injury. 
But it's about harm minimization. Yeah. But then maybe some of these people just don't, like, you know, they're just out there to keep going so they can't. But that's fine. Yeah, but then, then you should be on a cruise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I just think I should have to get a permit. Yeah, no, there's some awesome, like, I've met a few of the SDS workers and all the uh, volunteers in Tom Price, like all the paramedics and volunteers. They're all, um, you know, trained They all probably work in the mines and then they volunteer as a paramedic. Well, there's one lady that's like a uh, high school teacher and like they all work just around town and yeah. Have you ever lived that rural before? No. Never. I'll tell you something. You don't know how nice it is to live with country people. Mm-hmm. Like when I lived in Kalgoorlie, like you said, you met a lady, she's a teacher, she volunteers here, she does this, you know, the hairdresser with the caravan, all that. They will be the loveliest people you ever meet in your life. And in Kalgoorlie, like, if ever I had any trouble, you know, you snap your fingers and the whole town is at your cert. Like everybody, there's like this deep connection that, it's really hard to explain. You know what I mean once you move there, but mm. I actually feel a little bit sad that, like, now, like, Bobby spent his whole life in the city, whereas Matthew grew up in the country, and it's, like, it's a little bit sad. Yeah. And, like, some, that's why I feel really jealous that you're all moving there because I just think, man, like, I really miss living in the country because, like, like I said, it's hard conditions and it can be really taxing, like, physically, I'm not being a wuss, but, like, just the heat, like, would really, really affect me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just feel like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, or, like, the power would go out for, like, three days and we'd be literally sitting in our cars, like, trying to charge our mobile phone on the car, like, cigarette charger. <laughs> It was honestly like really hard. Yeah. But yeah, once I moved to Perth, I really missed the people. Yeah. And I think you'll build relationships that will be like some of the most rich relationships of your whole life as far as like friendships go, you know? Yeah. I was there for four weeks and I met a couple of girls who I'd already like super bonded with. Well, they like. Oh, they were so traveling nurses. Um, and they were just really awesome people, um, really easy to get along with. And, yeah, we're going to catch up in Bali, actually. No way! Yeah. When? October. I want to go to Bali. Mm. And is there a bar in Tom Price? There's uh, one pub. Yes. Uh, yep. It's, uh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I want to go up there in DJ. We'll do, like, a drum and bass night in Tom Price. All right. That would be so sick. I'll stay at your house and yeah. we can go to Karajini. What I'll do is I'll time it with when I go up to see the turtles. Oh, yeah. Because we volunteer in Karatha around January, December, where we, like, mm-hmm. tag the turtles and we count the turtles and do all that. But, yeah, that would be so sick, hey? Like a Tom Pro- I wonder, you need to find this intel for me. Mm-hmm. The, in Karatha, I'm going to add you to a Facebook page. It's called Get Me Out of Here. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like the underground electronic dance music, like the what we call the Bushdorf scene. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a Bushdorf is? Oh, just from what I've seen on your Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like people that look sort of homeless or they look like they live in the forest maybe full time and they all go 
to a music festival where there's giant tents and like psychedelic artwork that's like up on poles as like a temporary roof shelter and then like you know you did one with like Sheila Kane and DJ as well. It was like women's only. Didn't that you? one was sort of more legit, like a more commercial one. And okay. so those ones are like pretty safe for like, you know, your average like person that's not really in that sort of scene. Yes. Whereas there's ones that are like proper bush books where <laughs> the people don't wear shoes, but they like never wear shoes. Yeah, yeah. And so those ones are really, sometimes they can be quite overwhelming actually. Mm -hmm. It's really full on. But yeah, there's like the commercial ones as well. So there's a commercial one coming up called Blossom. Yeah. And that's the one that I recommend to people. If you've never been to a, you know, music festival before, that's the one to go to because it's like, it's safe and everyone's just sort of more, not normal, but like, they're not out of it type of thing. Everyone's just like, it's a more sort of commercial, like a chilled out experience. Whereas some of them, are, I will go and I'll play, I'll stay for a few hours and then I go home so I'm just like feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That's fair. But yeah, so in Karatha they have the Get Me Out of Here Facebook page and that's an invitation for all of the bush groups in Karatha. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to actually go to one while I was there last playing at that Evolution nightclub in Karatha. Yeah. And then I played at this group and I met like the coolest people ever who I'll introduce you to. And then I'm not sure if that's the same Facebook page and the same crew for like Tom Price yeah. or if Tom Price has its own sort of version. Yeah. But if you and your little nursery mates like got in with that sort of crew, I'm sure you would have some really, really cool experiences because I would think that they would hold um, like bush doors in Tom Price and around surrounding areas. Yeah, maybe. And that would be so much fun. To be honest, the turtle shaving thing you were saying sounds great. Yeah, you should definitely do that. So when will you be there in January? Uh, till mid-January, yeah. So as soon as you finish your swing, what you should do before you come home is just volunteer. Usually you'll volunteer for like a two-week period. Mm -hmm. And then I'll send you the lady's contact details. But she basically is the main turtle lady yeah. for the Department of Parks and Wildlife. And... Um, so you just register online, her name's Sarah McDonald. And then basically you go up there and every day you get given like a fancy iPad and you get given a beach and you've got to walk the length of the beach. It might be like, you know, two or three kilometers. Mm. And you hold like a rake behind you. So as you're walking, you're raking mm -hmm. and it's making lines in the sand. So then each day, if a, a turtle nest hatches, well, you all know because you see tiny little footprints all over the rake marks from the day before. Yeah, yeah. So then you follow it up to the nest and then you see where it exploded and then you mark it on the iPad and that's what you do basically. That's or awesome. you might see massive footprints where some big horse has come out and like laid a new nest. So you have to mark the new nest, like here is the nest. And the reason why it's very important data is like then they give that to like Rio Tinto and it's to stop us basically raping and pillaging the sand where there's like a big old, you know, yeah, turtle nest. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, it can be quite full on in the heat. But yeah. you go at like 6am and you do it every day for two weeks and then they give you like a turtle saver hat and a 
turtle shirt and yeah it's just like a really good experience to do that's oh, cute yeah so i'll hook you up you can do that in january so january and december is turtle season yeah and yeah like then on some of the days like the aboriginal people that live there they sometimes will help like a turtle if it's like battling yeah so they were able to release that turtle and i was sick that day but rob went with them and watch this poor old battler like go back out to the ocean mm. and it was like a really special experience they basically had saved his life the turtle yeah that's really awesome. nice you would love that yeah oh, that sounds really good i just think you can go on holiday or you can do stuff like that to me it's like a holiday but it's like you're volunteering yeah definitely so yes that will be fun so how would you get to tom price uh, I'm driving up this time. No way. Oh my god. Bringing... You should do like a docu-series. So we take some. <laughs> I'm bringing Bailey, my dog. So. wonder how Bailey will go on the drive. Ah, she'll be chilling. She'll be yeah, she's pretty good. She'll be great company probably. Yeah. It's the yeah. only thing I missed while I was up there. I was wondering who you had Bailey. Yeah. Mum and Dad had her for the last four weeks and then yeah flying back down and i'll drive her up so you have a house how long would it take you to drive to tom price i wonder uh it's 15 hours <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I know. what are you gonna do uh just i'll do it over two days i'll do perth to minkathara and Minkathara. yep day and night and then yeah. where are you gonna stay with a puppy uh there's actually a few places i was really surprised that's cool i looked up like dog friendly and a lot of the, even the hotels and motels are dog friendly that's cool hmm did i tell you about my snake friend that does the snakes no so basically she's working for a place where they just say if your dog doesn't have an aversion to snakes yes well that could cause a lot of harm to your dog because then your dog might see a snake and try and play with it and then the snake will kill your dog yeah so basically she works at a place where you take that dog to the snake play and they teach this dog snake is bad and so mm. they basically have a whole like place filled with snakes right but then they also, I think, go out to mine sites and they teach... I don't think they teach people snakes are bad. Oh, it might be like a first aid thing. Yeah. So anyway, she tells me, right, that she will go on the road. But you, obviously you take all your snakes, right? Yeah. But she said... Oh, I hate snakes. So this is she good. said to me, she stays in a hotel. She's like, oh, I would hate for someone to walk in. They have the snakes in the containers all over the hotel room floor and there were different little baskets no thanks. i was like bro what if like the cleaning lady comes in it'll be like a fucking horror movie there's snakes everywhere yeah. can you imagine no thank you but yeah you just made me think of that like how you take your dog in the hotel imagine Brick she said that she's snake yeah she stayed in like flashes hotels and she'll like fill the room with snakes <laughs> No, I, I did hear about those like dog aversions, the snake training. Do you think Bailey would know what to do? Uh, she's a big wolf, so she wouldn't go anywhere near them. Anything that like so rattles in the bush, she just runs. But they don't rattle, so I hope that Bailey would be okay because there's a lot of snakes out there. Yeah, there is. 
But you'll always have her by your side. You're not someone who lets your dog sort of run off a million miles like unsupervised. Nah. Nah, she'll be indoors. She'd be too scared. She'll literally probably like tailgate. Yeah, she'll like, you know, go. Because you'll probably go for more walks. Yeah, I probably wouldn't take her to be honest. Um, I went for a bush walk with a friend and her dog, and it was just like overgrown bush spinifex. Like, and that will make your dog blind. You have to have that eye sort of pulled out. That's what happened to my sister's dog. They have some just like regular grass, but in Kalgoorlie, it's like really gnarly. But basically, as soon as that gets in your dog's eyeball, you have to literally have the eye removed. Yeah, so. Um, there's actually, it, Tom Rose has actually got a few dog parks, like dog enclosures. So I think I'll just be taking her there. Kalgoorlie was like that. And that's cool too, because you get to meet other cool dogs in the area. That's it. That's fun. Dog people are the best people. Too. They are, like you have your chats. I used to love that. Day. You go to the dog park and you like have chats and you like say hello to all the dogs that you know. It's like, it's such a white person thing to do, but we all do it. Yeah, it's like a, it's a whole different type of relationship because you see them every day. Yeah. Um, you know about their like, you know, their their mother in laws coming over on the weekend, so you ask them like, how did it go? Oh, I um, love it. But then you don't actually know their first name; you just know their dog's name. Exactly. <laughs> um, I need to send you a podcast of a lady. It was on a show called um, Tape, like a tape cassette, mm-hmm. tape notes. And so there's an artist who I love, I can't remember her name though. And she um, dedicated like a whole song to her dog. Not because the dog had died or anything, which would be what you will think. It was more just because she felt like, you know, just say, because she's a lesbian, she's like, just say I have a girlfriend, but then me and my girlfriend break up or whatever, it's sad, life goes on. But with the dog, you have a a relationship with the dog, but the dog doesn't ever talk. So she's like, you actually sometimes might feel closer to the dog than a human. Oh, for sure. But this dog, she loved the doggy, And she was going through heartbreak and the dog sort of knew. So some of the songs on this album is dedicated to, you know, her grief and sadness and her mourning her partner, but then just... You know, like a celebration of her and her dog's relationship and how the dog basically saved her in that time. Yeah. And then in the song, you can hear, you know, the dog goes like this. Hi! When the dog, you can hear them walking on tiles. You know that sound? Yeah. Well, they have that sound at the end of the album, like the dog walking away. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I love it so much. But it's like such a good use of sound where you, you're in the room and part of the creative process, she said the dog sat on her lap, you know, the whole time she was making the album. And on the last day they knew it was the last song and they'd left everything in the pool, so to speak, and it was like, cool, clock off, we're done. And then it gets mastered. Mm-hmm. And they walk out of the studio and as the dog leaves, it's just like... Yeah, it's like the dog sort of knew, and then you could hear the dog just like walking off, and she was like, when she hears that part, it made her feel really happy as well. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it's nice for someone to talk about that, because it's very real, and it's like, especially for artists, a lot of artists have like an emotional support dog, Mm -hmm. and so I like that people actually, you know, giving over to the little puppies. 
Yeah, definitely. We should write a song about Bambi. What else about Tom Price? What will you eat today? Uh, it's not a hell of a lot. The Chinese is pretty good there. Really? Like it's it's white person Chinese, but oh, it's yeah. good white person Chinese. Because there in Kalgoorlie there was um, Chinese people had a Chinese restaurant, Indian people had an Indian restaurant, mm -hmm. and it was so good. Like you would think the food would be crap in a small town, yeah, but it was actually hell good. Um, yeah, like I like the Chinese, um, and it's not like overpriced as you expect a small town to be. Um, and there's a fish and chip shop. There's a really nice little cafe for breakfast. That's cool. Um, and that's about it. There's, yeah, another cafe of Brumbreeze. Um, Is there like a Coles there or Woolworths? Yeah, there's a Coles. So. See, that, the Coles will be like everything you need you could pretty much get from a Coles, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, there's a chicken treat van. Um, no, right. Yeah. Van. I've never seen a chicken treat van. There's a chicken treat van. That's I just don't, cool. I've never bought from there because I don't know how I feel about buying chicken from a van. I don't know. You, have you sun. been to the market? Uh, yeah, maybe. I'll send a photo next food. time. Of the chicken tree van. Mm. Like it doesn't move, it's just kind of like, I don't know, rotting in, into the car park. You end up in hospital, like salmonella poisoning, I'd be like, damn, I should have told it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's good because there's no take, besides the Chinese and the fish and chips, there's no, you know, you can't get Uber Eats, you can't, there's not many takeaways. So you kind of do have to rely on yourself. So. Yeah, you're someone who is very sufficient in those ways. You're like a, a, a like a real adult. Like I have friends where I don't think they'd make it. Like they just, they're adults. They've got jobs and everything, but they're city adults. And I'm like, you wouldn't last two seconds. Yeah. Like they got, I know a guy who got a job like exploration drilling. He lasted one day and cried for his mum and came home. Just like a grown adult. Mm. Like some people just don't have. And I've got a lot of friends where they're like, say, single. They're like my age where they're like 35. They've worked corporate jobs their whole life, been from university in the city. And they eat Uber Eats most nights because it's actually cheaper than, you know, cooking for one or whatever. Yeah. And I just think that people wouldn't do very well in Tom Price. I think I, when I living in Perth I just got into the convenience of takeaway and having that availability or Uber Eats and all of that. But convenient for normal people like you, it's not for me. So I open the app and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> Too many like choices I feel like. Yeah. I guess so you've probably got a different mindset because you've got kids that you need to You like... need five people that all want different things. So I'm like, I'm just gonna make you a toast, not kid. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're having brisket. Um, and I wonder as well, like, when you lived in Kalgoorlie, my friends that were single, they would, like, 
go to Perth and open Tinder in Perth. They would never open the app in their town because it's such a small town. If you open it even one time, every freak, the dude at the servo, the freaking guy in the chicken tree there, and like everybody in town would be like, oh, I know that chick. I've seen her on Tinder. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, because there's just not enough sort of people in that town to be able to use those type of apps. Yeah. That make people probably don't think about. No, like there are there are a lot of men in Tom Price, um, but a lot of them are FIFO. Um, if I have to see another, like I did open a dating app, and if I have to see another person covered in red dirt, catching a fish on their, you know, swings off, like yeah, it's just not worth it. Were they kissing the fish? Oh, you know they're doing they're doing the big toes though, you know. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could see them. But if you opened it now, they wouldn't be there. No. No, I deleted them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I just see there's things that that town would be good for. Dating's probably not one. Unless you, like, will have one of those things where you meet someone, it's like an incidental date where you're at work or you're, you know, Mm. just doing a regular thing and then there's, like, a hot person there and then you're chatting. Yeah. But, yeah, the dating app life, it's sort of more a city thing, I feel like. Yeah. Unless you're a juvenile, then it's fine. And I can't really, like, date my patients either, so that kind of rules that out. You can't what? <laughs> like, date my patient at work, you know. Well, that would be everybody, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so when you're a nurse, I didn't know that. So you're not really meant to sort of date someone if you're their nurse? No, definitely not. Like, if you meet them in the hospital, that's, like, ethically... Um, it, it does happen. And it would like, have to happen. If you've seen a hot guy, right, you're up there, it's maybe December, it's been four or five months, you haven't hooked up, and then the <laughs> hottest guy you've ever seen walks in and he's slipped and fallen at Karajini. Mm-hmm. Try and tell me that you're not going to give him his number. <laughs> give him your number. Yeah, nah, not if it's work. You wouldn't because you follow rules, but yeah. I would. Yeah. I have a friend who was an air hostess, and she saw a hot guy on a plane so mm-hmm. she walked up to him and she gave him her phone number i was like that is so courageous yeah they are now married with like three kids and they live in casually and i love them <laughs> i mean that's fantastic and i'm sure i don't think you're meant to do that by the way she worked for emirates yeah. which is like pretty strict yeah right yeah i thought that was cool i was like takes balls to do that Nowadays, I don't know if many people would have the courage to do that. No. But I love that kind of grazing. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, go for it. When I was single, if I, even if I didn't think a dude was hot, if someone was, like, really gracious and, you know, like, well-spoken and they had the balls to actually approach you in the wild, mm. it's like you have to at least go on a date with them, I feel like. Yeah, give them kudos at least for... Yeah, otherwise it, maybe they won't want to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. So you did open Tinder, but there was no boobs. No. no. Yeah. All the same, just FIFO, red dirt. <laughs> do you think you'll come back for a little break in between? Um, no, actually, because I'm going to go to um, Bali in October and then... Is it cheaper to fly to Bali from Tom Price or Perth? Uh, you can't fly from Tom Price. You have to fly back to Perth. Damn. Yeah. 
too funny. Because you could almost get it like a canoe. <laughs> it's quite close, isn't it? Uh, uh, well, you have to drive at least like what, four or five hours to Karatha. If you got a canoe and you went in Karatha to Bali, how long would it take you, do you reckon? Probably a couple of years. <laughs> okay, I need to look at a map. I felt like it was like to Rock Nest. Nah, nah, it's a bit further. To Indonesia? Yeah. Huh. It, so what would be the first land, do you think, if you left Australia on a canoe? I actually have no idea. Like, I don't know. I think it's Indonesia. You know, our closest bordering country is uh, Papua New Guinea, but that's over east. I don't know how. No way, so that's the closest. Yeah, our closest country is Papua New Guinea. Did not know Hmm. And yeah, they are third world and it's not horrible over there, which is why it's such an achievement for that uh, Matilda's girl. Why? Who's that? Is it Trish Fowler, the Papua New Guinean one? Aren't they Australian? Oh, I'm pretty sure she's from Fiji. So can you play for the Matildas if you're not Australian? She might have moved over. Let me look her up. Okay. We're going to get some stats for people playing at home. Oh, what's her name? That's not the name that I wanted. Follow her on Instagram, that's for sure. Mary oh. Fowler, there we go. Are they soccer players? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Can I look her up? Why is there so much hype about that at the moment? About the Matildas? Yeah. Uh, because it's the best Australia's ever done. In soccer? In soccer. Wow. It's really? the best. Not only just the women, I don't think the men have made it as well. Well, I don't think that we have a men's team. We have a men's team, the soccer rules, but... Um, no way. So we do have a national men's soccer team. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't think they've ever come, like, anything under 10. 10. So hockey rules, soccer rules. So they're different teams then. Oh, her mum is from Papua New Guinea. So was she born in Australia, maybe? Uh, in Queensland. Wow. So I wonder how did the mum immigrate? Yeah, get over from... So... No, because I remember seeing a post about her family over there. Did they, like their own DIY shirts for her while she was playing. So what if it go to Papua New Guinea? Because I've got family that went there for work. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's very third world. Why though? I have no idea. Wow. I wonder how many people live there. You um, should look up the stat. Papua New Guinea, look up maybe, like, how big is it and how many people live there? Alright, we'll do. Um, not even long ago, like there used to be beheadings in the street. They've got cannibals still in rural. Like that's kind of the level of um. I knew that things were rough over there because on Joe Rogan, the dude said that like part of their um one of their cultural practices is basically like pedophilia type of thing. Yeah, where the old people basically that's how they initiate the young boys into a tribe or something. 
Right. And it like really, really was like distressing. It looks like the population in 2021 was about 11 million. How many people live in Australia? It's the same, I think. We have, I'm pretty sure we have 11 million in Australia. 20, 25 million. Okay, so we've got more than double, but their country, I think, is tiny. Yes, yeah, so that's why it was, yeah. So they've got a lot of people in a small area. Yeah. Definitely. So then how do they have rural people if it's so many people? Because uh, there are just, like, um, areas that you can't get to from, like, there's no... No way, is that Papua New Guinea? So, oh, that's right. So Papua New Guinea is attached to Indonesia, I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up for you. It's like half of Indonesia and half is Papua New Guinea. Just going a big old glow. Uh, it is close to Indonesia. That's Indonesia there. Oh, so what's the other half? That's probably the rural stuff I was talking about. Oh, so I always thought that that see that line. Mm -hmm. I thought that was two different countries. But I, I actually don't know. know what that is. Um, I feel like. Oh, pa Papua. So Papua and Indonesia. I honestly think that that line means a different country, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. That's interesting, though, that it's like straight down the middle. Of the Maybe world. Indonesia, they had a war and took half, I don't know. Um, but no, there's definitely like mountains and stuff that they have lots of rural. We looked after a girl that um, uh, had to. I think she travelled for four days to get to Port Moresby <gasps> to get her surgery done. And it was like she walked a lot of it. Hang on, what? Of it. Where's Port Moresby? That's the main, that's the capital city. Of what? Papua New Guinea. You met a girl that did that? Yeah, because I went over there for um, two weeks. Um, when? A couple of years ago. I did not know that. Hmm. So, oh, as a nurse? Yeah, yeah. That's a Nancy, that's cool. So you went over to Papua New Guinea mm -hmm. and you were a nurse and a young girl needed like a surgery. Yes, yes. Uh, so it was Open Heart International, so she had Open Heart Surgery. Why? Uh, I don't remember what she had. Probably a uh, VSC. What's that? Uh, when there's a hole in, in between your like ventricles, the left and right ventricle. What's it? What's a ventricle? Uh, your heart's made up in like four chambers. So you've got your atrium at the top and your ventricles at the bottom. Yeah. And the ventricles pump to your lungs and the rest of your body. Um, and so they probably had a hole in the between the two ventricles. I knew a little boy when I was a kid called Ryan. He had a hole in his heart, and that's how he died. So that's an ASD normally, like a hole in the heart. Yeah. In between your atrium. How do you get a hole in the heart? I wonder. Um, it's the way that the heart forms in utero, um, and sometimes it just doesn't close over properly. Sometimes it's due to different um, flow issues. Like what? Like your blood flow, you mean? Yeah, because the blood's meant to flow in sort of like one way, like throughout the heart. But um, yeah, sometimes different pressures and different chambers means it doesn't close over. I wonder how that girl knew something was wrong with her heart to go and get a surgery. Um, they do lots of testings before 
Uh, that like obviously just breaking, so she was probably like failing to throw. Um, but that's potentially, I don't know, going blue at times. Was there like a real hospital there? Yeah, 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 there's a hospital there. What was it like? Uh, interesting. Um, it makes you appreciate Perth, that's for sure. Oh, I appreciate Perth so much. I know my auntie, who I said last podcast, I chatted to her. Man, Africa was, yeah, messed up. So when you're over there working as a like volunteer nurse, mm-hmm. where would you stay for your accommodation? They put you up in a really nice hotel. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, so it's a really nice hotel, um, and then you have to catch a almost like an almond bus from hotel to hospital. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it's dangerous for mostly white people. It's um, dangerous for white people. Yeah. Why? What would happen, do you think? What's the danger? You'd get kidnapped. Yeah. Have people been kidnapped from there before? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know, not from the organisation. Got pretty strict rules, but... Yeah. That's crazy. I can't believe it. Um, how many operations do you, did you see when you were there? We did eight children. So, um, I didn't know until we got over there. That's the only time that they operate during that six months that we were there, like, we were there for two weeks and they go every um, six months and yeah, we just did eight operations. Who was the doctor? I don't remember. Some surgeon. You didn't know him though? No, no. Was it a Papua New Guinea dude? No, so you can't use, you're one for one, so you, you teach the Papua New Guinea staff and so we had, you know, X amount of nurses come over, so we had X amount of staff that we kind of taught. And then there was a, I think the surgeon was from Starlight, Starship or whatever in Auckland. Wow. New Zealand. And then so he had, he did the operation with a Papua New Guinean surgeon as well. So maybe that dude will know how to do them as well. Yeah, that's the idea is to keep doing this so we can train up. Wow. Hmm. I wonder, like, how did you hear about that, like, to go there and do it? Like, who told you about that? Probably while I was working in ICU, just people have done it or heard about it or, you know. And then if someone wanted to, like, donate money to that charity, what would, what was it called? Open Heart International. Oh, my God. Hmm. And the main, like, objective is to, like, do surgery on kids in, like, third world countries. Yeah, they go all over as well. Like, it's not just Papua New Guinea. Um, I think Hannah went to... She went to Africa. Yeah, Tanzania, I think, is where... Um, Did they have a hospital there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it did the same thing, but just wow. over there. So do you have to pay to do that trip? Um, yeah, you have to pay a certain amount for... I can't, I can't remember. I think I got it sponsored, maybe. But you have to pay, I think, a little bit. A few grand. Sponsored by who? I think I did a Facebook sponsor, like just put it up and had a little... That's amazing. So the nurses and doctors are volunteering their time, but they're also paying to go on these trips and also like the loss of wages for, you know, mm. being away. That's honestly so good that you did that. Yeah, it was a really good experience. It's good for you to do that, but it's good of you to do it as well. Mm. Like I'm sure that it had a... You had a good experience. Yeah. We had one one night, the, we were talking about power before. Mm. Had one night, the power went off, 
for it was like two and a half hours. It was overnight shift. The kids had just had heart, came out of heart surgery. They were oh my on God. drugs that needed like continuous giving. Mm. Like you couldn't you couldn't interrupt the flow, otherwise the blood pressure would go up and down. Oh my God. Um, I remember the power went off, and I said to the guy, I was like, "So what's the battery life on these?" And he was like, "Sometimes good, sometimes no." Oh, just you're rustling your cape. It'll pick up in it. Oh yeah. So what? They didn't work. The power went cut out. So it cut out completely. Backup generators didn't turn on. Were um, they on machines, the kids? Yeah. And so what happened? Uh, they were okay. So by the the battery didn't go out by the time. They're on lots of different machines. So we had to oh get prepared, God. ready for like in case we had to hand ventilate them and hand. Oh my God. And, yeah. That's like the olden days. So you could get like a hand pump and. Yeah. You always have them as backup, regardless. Like just like ones that inflate, so you can just keep. Giving them breath, but um, yeah, these poor scary. bastards. So eight kids over there had open heart surgery. When when was that? Last year? No, it was two thousand and nineteen, I think. Didn't even know you did that. Hmm. I don't think I met you by then, though. It's amazing. I reckon I met you in twenty twenty. Wow. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to share? No. <laughs> <That's not laughs> Chloe well, just gets accosted into doing the podcast. Nothing else? Nah. Well, thank you for being on Behind the Chair. And we'll see. I'll post pictures in the notes of um, the end result of Chloe's hair. Thank you for listening. <laughs>